On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by cardiologist Dr. Paddy Barrett, chatting all things cardiovascular disease. The way I look at this is that the the two statistics that everyone should really be aware of is cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death globally and in most developed nations, but it's also the most preventable. 90% of it can be prevented at an early stage if you just follow the right steps and formula. So I look at it as a, a scary opportunity. As ever available on all podcast platforms. On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. This is the Rugby World Cup on the left wing. Hello and welcome to the left wing. Well, lads, we are here outside a coffee shop near the Ireland training ground. It's such a big week. How are our energy levels well, matching imp- the week? I'm impressed by the owner who's presented us with a ball as a prop. You know, it's very well prepared for Rugby World Cup. We're on the outskirts of tour. Keane's been checking the cinema listings in the IMAX beside us. Anything good? Well, I got excited when I saw Sinead had set us up near cinema. I thought we were actually going to be doing it while we were watching Oppenheimer <laughs> or something. Yeah, Oppenheimer and Barbie. I've already seen both of them, though. So, Which um, do you prefer? Uh, Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer yeah. was great. Uh, Barbie was decent. Um, decent, but Oppenheimer, yeah, was, was very good. But yeah, all business, I suppose. Uh, Only one uh, show in town this week, Keane. Uh, that's why they pay you the big bucks. Um, <laughs> Nothing like a press conference with... James Ryan, Jemson Gibson Park and Simon Easterby in a rickety tent getting buffeted by the wind where you can't really hear what anyone's saying and every time one of the photographers moved to take a photo you couldn't hear, hear anything noise. at all it was just yeah. creaky it's, uh, it's quite a setup over there yeah and James Ryan I think had the definition of his game face on already I thought he was actually very good about you know we'll be writing about this online tomorrow and in the paper just about how he kind of readies himself mentally for what is an enormous test um, it was interesting James and Gibson Park ended up basically sitting in the crowd so he was asked at the end of the press conference if uh, Jameson had any questions for James Ryan so um, he was lauding Johnny Oh he was, he was at the back of the press conference Yeah right. so I think that put him off a little bit uh, as I think he was almost waiting for Gibson Park to ask him a question and then the Ireland media manager asked him it was all top pants Sinead but uh, Gibson Park didn't uh, didn't go for the question he might have put us to shame if he did He might have yeah. uh, Rory will we spoke this morning on the video about uh, the 7-1 split of course yeah, and uh, you might have been the only person who saw this coming I wasn't the only person but certainly when Razi Erasmus showed his hand, um, was it three, four weeks ago, um, in Twickenham with that New Zealand win, um, the word I was getting was that this was a dry run for Ireland. And if they beat Scotland, then they, they come into this game under less pressure than Ireland because they have one foot in the quarterfinal already. That the, this was designed with Ireland in mind that basically that they're, they're looking to break Ireland. And um, the more you look at it, the more you think about it, and look, the more you look at the personnel that are involved, I think it's a breakdown play more than anything else. It's not just about power. It's that there were a lot of jackal threats on the pitch in, in the last quarter of this game. Um, everyone knows Ireland play with quick ball. It's what Jacqueline Arnber said. When you read the quotes from last night's press conference, he talked about how Ireland play a fast game and this is a strategy designed to slow Ireland down. Uh, wear them out as well. Ireland have confirmed, Simon Easterby has just said, that they're not going to go any more than 5-3. They're not going to break the habit of a lifetime. Um they haven't really considered it over the course of their time in charge. He's been involved with Ireland since 20. 
13, if I'm if I'm right. Uh, he said it's come up, but it's never really been a, a, vi- a viable runner. Um, and they're right. Like I argued they, they should go 6-2, but if that's what they believe and they should stick to it, they shouldn't have their heads turned by what Erasmus and Ian are doing because a lot of it's smoke and mirrors. A lot of it's designed to get us talking about something else other than the fact that they've no recognisable goal kicker. You know, there are weaknesses in the South Africa team and Ireland aren't the world's number one team. They shouldn't be bending for anyone else. Yeah, okay. We, you debated this this morning, didn't you, in the yeah. Irish Independent? Yeah, but he's and, already rowing back though in his argument. Okay. okay, hang there for a second and we're just going to listen to what uh, Simon Easterby had to say today. You know, every, um, every team has a, s- a particular strategy, you know, it, it's, um, and, it, and it's up to them to believe that that strategy is the right thing for, for, each, for each game. You know, and obviously they believe that that is the, the way that they need to um, set themselves out to, to beat us on Saturday, um, just like we'll be, we'll be planning the way that we want to beat uh, South Africa. So, listen, it's a talking point. I, I don't think it, it changes anything for us, to be honest. Uh, and it's, it's something for you guys to have a little bit of discussion over. What will determine it at the end, it will just be hindsight will, will allow everyone to, to, to say it was the right or the wrong thing to do. And, and you know, like I say, it's, it's, it's their strategy uh, and uh, it's not something that we can control. Okay, go Keen. what were you going to say? I'm just interested to hear Rod has already softened off his approach when he was once again trying to. He, he can me. change his mind. He's it's okay. Mind, yeah. I can. Simon needs to be convinced me. Uh, yeah. you, maybe you convince me. And like it's, it's what they've always done. I do think there's an argument for it. I do think if they lose, they may regret not doing it. But they've they don't die wondering. They they stay true to themselves. Yeah. So you know it's it's. It's worked for them before. Why not again? Uh, Easterby hit the nail on the head, I think, when he said, like, this will be a real hindsight thing in that if it doesn't work, if it works out well for the box, people will say, you know, it was a great decision. And if it doesn't, it'll backfire. And I think that pretty much hit the nail on the head. But I'm, yeah, like, I was kind of steadfast in my view that Ireland shouldn't, like, shouldn't even, I, I, like, I understand the, the idea of considering it because, of course, you want to prepare for all eventualities. But... Like, I think it's a mental thing as much as anything. And I think if Andy Farrell had changed or if he does bring a surprise and, and changes, which it sounds like he won't, I think it's almost like a mini mental battle that the South Africans will have won. But so, just because they haven't done something before doesn't mean they should do it. No, but, every, but it's worked. I mean, yeah. having a 5-3 split in dimension, this is the point I was making in the paper and online for the piece that myself and Rudd, the debate that we had. Like, Ireland's bench with, let's say, if the three backs are going to be Conor Murray and it looks like Jack Crowley is going to be on the bench um, and Robbie Henshaw, I mean... Robbie Henshaw would walk into most other teams. Starting teams. He could also play a back, a back row at a push as well. Like he's built like a back row. Bundyaki did it last yeah. weekend. Like there's a bit of flexibility there. there and the one thing the box have done as well, they've built towards this over the years. Like Quagga Smith being a former sevens international yeah. can cover backline positions. They've been building their their nines into flexible positions over the last couple of years as well. So there is a strategy behind it. They haven't just done this as a one-off. Yeah, d- definitely. And like just because Ireland don't have a fancy name for their bench and they don't have tattoos of the bomb squad, that doesn't mean that Ireland don't have strengths in the bench. And this is my point. If Ireland had gone 6-2, I think they're almost lulled into taking the box on at their own game. And that is just not what you do. I mean, Ireland showed that back in... November when they double down on the need for speed you know I know it's become almost a cliche but it's so important to the way Ireland play and if you have those three quality backs to, to call upon as well as you know potentially Joe McCarthy Ian Henderson Dan Sheehan maybe like that is a lot of firepower that Ireland call on as well so um 
I think the, the debate and the discussion is brilliant, I have to say. Um, we were asked in our jury on Monday, you know, about how many forwards would, would, would they go for South Africa? And I was thinking, like, it would be worth the kind of the outcry alone to see the reaction because I think fair play to South Africa. I mean, they are pushing the boundaries. They're trying to be innovative. But that doesn't mean that everyone else has to follow suit. So, um I think it's a smart strategy by Ireland to, to go with what's, what suited them rather than being lulled into trying to take in the box on. I'd say Ireland game. might be a bit more worried if they'd had Rick Bollard on the bench, you know, rather yeah. than one of those forwards. Because they, if things go wrong with Libok and things could very very easily go wrong with Libok and then they go to, to Clerk and he's kicking. Like there, there's uh, the goalkickers.co.za put up a top 40 goal kickers at this tournament so far and the box were all in the bottom uh, bottom 10, you know, whereas the Irish goal kickers are much higher up on that list. So the big risk right now um, for them is that they miss their kicks and they can't build that 3-6-9 and there's no, there's no lead for those bomb squad to defend. So they come on and they're they're trying to chase a game rather than um, than, than, than and, and come from behind rather than, than defend the lead, which is what they want to want to do. So um, it's it, it, like it, it, it's risky, and we we all go back to that to lose game. If they lose two, even one back in, in the wrong position, it could throw them off. And even Razzy Rasmus said that the other day. If we put Quagga Smith in the back line, Johnny Sexton's going to start kicking the ball at him. So if you to pick an Irish bomb squad, who would be in it? And yeah, give us well, a sexy name we for them as well. About, oh, Jesus, don't put me in the spot like that. Need, yeah, uh, maybe Keane could think of that while I'm like he's discussed about. <laughs> already if they even concept he's too humble um, well they can't go 7-1 without putting two uh, four front rows on it because Jack Conan's not fit and they've just confirmed that so if Sheehan's fit you put Sheehan there you put um, Kilcoyne and um, Finley Bealham and hopefully he comes through his protocols then you're looking at Joe McCarthy Ryan Baird and Ian Henderson and there's a fair bit of ballast there but you know Baird at six the two lads into the second row you've also got Ty Burns flexibility which is you know one of the reasons they can go 5-3 comfortably and, and put Henderson and McCarthy and that's what we're expecting isn't it Henderson McCarthy I don't think Baird is going to make it um, and I suppose you could put Rob Herring there he did make his Ireland debut at seven um, in 2014 against Argentina and is a very mobile player but I think in that scenario you probably would be better off with a Jack Crowley who covers a couple of backline positions I don't think even if our, if they wanted that Ireland could muster seven conceivably for this this one but six you could definitely make a case Just on that and Jack Conan not being fit is the other major talking point I think out of today's press conference and like it's very, very interesting because Simon Easterby basically said that he's kind of at where they expected him to be, which which makes you think that they knew that Jack Conan wasn't going to be fit until at the very best case scenario by looks of it now, Scotland. That is a long time to carry an injured player. I mean, it's... It we, we also don't know if Sheehan's going to make it. And if Sheehan's going to make, not going to make it, it puts it back into that time frame that was reported initially and denied by Ireland heavily. D- they've know, been, I, I have to say, they've been a bit kind of loose with the, the reporting. And obviously we can only report what we're being told. And I'd say like some readers and listeners are going, this is what we've been told by by the management. But I think like it's obviously a reflection of how highly they value Jack Conan. But if I was a Keen Prendergast or, or Gavin Coombs, but in particular Keen Prendergast, because he was obviously in the squad up to the, the last minute, like you'd be pretty annoyed and frustrated. But I also think it shows that the Ireland coaches think there's a significant gap because otherwise I think you would have a player who is able well, to contribute. But they can also get by without him because the, the back row and replacement that they're naming every week is of, of high quality. So they don't really need They, they don't Prendergast. have a backup age though is the only thing. So you're asking Doris to play an awful amount. Because well, he's come off in both games and they put Omani into that yeah, slot because yeah. they knew that they could do that against Romania yeah. and Tonga. There was a risk there, but I think Conan, the reward is going to have because if they hadn't have taken Conan, they'd be, they would have Prendergast here for the next two weeks. And if Conan is fit, 
fit. And obviously, he, they've got good information that he will be fit. You're bringing in the lines number eight at a point in the tournament where you might need him or you're looking for some fresh legs and you can rest Conan then in that game. So I don't, I, I wouldn't argue with the strategy if it comes off. If Conan doesn't end up playing and ends up going home, then you're going, okay, well, you took too much of a gamble with him. And look, they've been lucky as well in the fact that no one else has gone down in that department. They've been remarkably lucky Incredibly over the course lucky. of this World Cup cycle with the with the back rows Touch that they have. Put and is in. the point of difference there as well? The fact that there is that down week before Scotland, so he has that extra, and extra seven week. day turnaround. Yeah, yeah. and they, they huge, saw that yeah. more than anyone outside the camp did. They played that very well. So obviously, the Antifar will name his. Uh, his squad 23 player squad tomorrow are we all in agreement now because I know that you were thinking the back row could be different Rory what way are you looking now I think it's going to be the team to beat New Zealand um, with Ronan Kelleher at two um, so do we not think Dan Sheen's going to make it if he makes it I, I think, think he'll, he'll be on, on the bench, bench. Yeah. If he, if he, that's a big if I think yeah. at this stage I think like there's a lot to be said for Rob Herring having played five games and being game ready and he's a very good um, scrummaging very consistent well, yeah. he's very good in the loose I know he's not the big the ball player Dan Sheehan is Sheen obviously gives you if he is fit he plays because he is such a remarkable uh, player he's not I, I keep wanting to say athlete but there's so much more to him than just his athletic gifts but he does have incredible athleticism as well he, you know he does things that neither Herring or Kelleher can do but Kelleher was so good last week Herring's been very good off the bench if there's any doubt about Sheehan and if he had, you know, if he, if he didn't train fully yesterday, maybe, you know, there's kind of a bit of, they're very positive on him, but I don't know necessarily believe it. I think, look, if he's fit, he plays, but I, I, you know, I would have no fear of Herring either. I think Ireland are really well stocked in that department. Yeah, and like, it's, it's, this is stating the obvious, but the set-piece battle is going to be so crucial. And I was watching back the November game yesterday and my memory is so bad that it's, it's actually hard to remember like the, the, the kind of nuances of, of it. I mean, Robert Balakun started that game and now he's like absolutely nowhere near the squad. So it's just funny how quickly things can change because it's not that long ago, but worryingly the line out wasn't great in November um, now I know they, they it was really good last week and Kelleher started but Dan Sheehan started obviously that game last November the line out struggled a little bit as well so I'm kind of like that is I think a slight area of concern like because you look at the box line out and it's, it's they there just got big, they're thrown up they're big men throwing up big men yeah. so it's just a physical thing it's, and they've got good timing and they're aggressive in the air as well but you've got to, when you're thrown into a line out and you've got Etzebeth, Mostert and Peter Steftata or the toy, I'm not sure. I can always come back and forth on that one. But like they went over the 15 a lot, but that obviously brings the defensive line up and, and limits what you can do in the outside. So there's so many, they're going to challenge Ireland in every way. It's just the ultimate game because it's such a clash of styles. And that's why it's it's so, there's so many different layers we can go into this game, but the line is key for Ireland. The, the, the point on that is what I was going to make is it absolutely is. But if you, if you do have a Rob Herring on the bench, and I think there will be a strong temptation, Rob Herring's strength is his set piece. Like we said, he's one of the best throwers around. So while he might not be the, like the ball carrier that Ronan Keller and Dan Sheehan is, if you're bringing him on and the line is struggling, I think that would help shore it up. So it's yeah, not a bad you've option. Also, you've also got Dion Fury or Marco Van Staden at hooker. So if there's scrums, I think South Africa will do everything they can to avoid scrums for once. And there's a chance to kind of break the seam between the, the you know between the prop and the, the the hooker because for all that they're big men and they've got a little bit of experience, they're not work like they, if they were international hookers, they'd be playing there, you know. So that's another weakness in that South African army that Ireland will look to exploit. Okay, well, I spoke to uh, former Leinster and Ireland hooker Rickard Strauss from his home in George in South Africa this morning about this weekend's game. Have a listen. <laughs> Can you describe what life has been like for you, first of all, since you retired from rugby, what was it, five years ago? It is, yeah, just over five years ago. Ah, life's been pretty good. Normal life is a bit harder than you thought it would be, but it's not too bad. Um, I was lucky enough, I've moved down to George in the Western Cape, so it's a nice area. Got into the construction, and now we're just trying to 
go forward. And do you miss, did you miss the rugby after you retired? Tonight, a lot of people ask me and the simple answer is no. I, I, I don't miss it. I, I've, I always felt the time I retired, I was ready to retire. I've had my turn. I've done it long enough and the body took enough hammering for, for what it could take. So I was pretty happy when I retired. And yes, there's stuff you miss, but in, in a whole, it's not like I long to be back playing and, and all that. Yeah. What like, were the highlights of your time with Leinster, with Ireland? You made three appearances in the 2015 Rugby World Cup as well, of course. Yeah, oh, there's, a, there's a lot of highlights and you kind of think about it all the time. I think the one that obviously stands out that is pretty cliche is the 2011 Heineken Cup final. Where we were down and out and kind of got back into that game. Oh, and then the other highlights is just what you learn and the people you meet and, and what you get to see around there and, and, and travel and experience you have with your, your teammates and friends and stuff like that. So that's stuff that I always I don't remember stories specifically, but whenever you're in a conversation with someone, it always comes up and, and, and comes back to you. And that's kind of what I cherish about the whole time I spent over there. Um, obviously, huge game this weekend, uh, defending World Cup champions against the number one ranked team in the world. What is the view in South Africa of this Irish team, Ricard? Yeah, everybody has a lot of respect for them and everybody's a bit nervous. I think they are confident that they would beat us. Uh, I think the same as we are, we are confident that they will beat them. But I think there's a lot of excitement about this game. The World Cup's pulled up. They had a reasonably big, big game against Scotland. Well, I didn't think any of the teams really played well. Uh, so this is for them. This is their first big game of the World Cup. And you can see it's the first game they're a bit nervous about. But there's actually a good good vibe going around about, about the game and everybody is chirping away and kind of calling me a traitor and <laughs> having fun with me and all that. But uh, no, so yeah, I think they, they're pretty nervous, everybody around. So there's a good atmosphere building just for this guy now. Yeah, so is this a busy week for you then as well with everyone getting on to you? <laughs> uh, my, my business partner or my colleague, is, he's, he's just flown to France this morning. So I'm, I'm, I'm busy running around on the different sites. So I'm, I'm getting left alone quite a bit. Oh, Sorry. yeah, they're on, they're on to you there now already. And, and come here, obviously, um, South Africa named a 7-1 split on the bench uh, when they named their squad yesterday or last night. What do you make of that decision? Is it the right decision, do you feel? Look, it can go both ways. The same that did against the All Blacks then, Twickenham a while ago. Uh, if it works for them, they're going to be physically very challenging. But if they get an injury to some of their backs, then it can all go pear-shaped. I think that's a gamble they're obviously willing to take. Can it work for them once? Will it work for them now? I don't know. I wouldn't do it. Personally, I wouldn't do it. I just don't. The risk reward is not, not enough for me. Yeah. So, I mean, they did it obviously that time against the All Blacks in the World Cup warm up game. Are, are you surprised then that they've decided to do it for this pool game? Not really, no. Because it worked for them. And I think the only, they, I think the only way they beat us <coughs> is they physically absolutely dominate us, which they did against the All Blacks in that, in that test. They did get a red card and all that, but I think before that, I only watched about 20 minutes of that until they got the red card. Uh, they were absolutely physical over there completely, and I think that's what they're going to try from, from the first second of the game. It's just kind of come after us physically with everything they've got. 
And then if they're tired, they're going to bring up all those other big boys and, and try and do that. Even more so than anything, is it almost like a psychological hit? And do South Africa like that? You know, they have their bomb squad name, you know, now this kind of 7 one split. Do they like to portray this image of being all-powerful? And is almost that half of it as well? I, th- I think so. And look, it's worked for them in the past. So I don't think they're going to stop doing that. And they've been very successful with it. Because I, and I think they do like it. They always say no one can match us physically and all that. So let's see. I think if we play smart and not allow them to push us back into the corners and all that, then I think they're going to run out of gas at some stage. Do you think that's, yeah, do you think they could run out of gas? Look, they they definitely fit, but it's 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 tough playing that rushing up, putting people back. And if if we don't allow them, if we turn their turn, turn them around quite a bit, then I think they're going to get tired. They're big, heavy boys coming forward and turning back and taking some collision takes a lot of gas out of you. So I'm sure with Johnny and the boys all there, they would realise that what they are going to do, and will definitely have a plan to counter that. Yeah, and John Fogarty, you and you know John, of course, he mentioned that yesterday here in France and he said, you know, their their players are so fit. How do you think Ireland are naming their squad tomorrow? Do you think Ireland need to respond? And they don't they haven't traditionally Ireland have traditionally gone six two. Do you think they need to respond to that and go six two? Or do you think they need to back themselves and keep with the five three on the bench? Yeah, I'll go with the five three. I think they must stay with it. I think our boys are fit enough, strong enough to kind of have it. And if we play smart, then there's no need to to do that. It's going to be a physical game. There's going to be injuries. I mean, that's fact. And you don't want to kind of sit to where you have to play a back on the wing or centre or whatever. So I, I wouldn't do it. I would be surprised if they do. But But let's wait and see. And you mentioned Johnny Sexton there. I mean, he's you played with him. You know what he's like. Can you believe that he's playing in the kind of form he's been playing in the last few games? <clears throat> Excuse me, considering he's just back from injury and he's just back from that ban as well. Yeah, no. Uh, look, a lot of people talked about said and said Johnny would be undercooked. Talking to me about it and said, no, Ireland wouldn't be a factor. Johnny's undercooked and all that. And I said... I've played with a lot of people. There's only a handful of guys that can be out for five or six months and come back as if they were never left. And Johnny, fortunately for us, is one of them. Uh, it's been incredible to see how his body's holding up with all the batting he's taking is unbelievable. So yeah, it's good to see Johnny back. Hopefully now he can finish it off in a, in a good way. Were you surprised when Malcolm Marks, obviously huge blow to South Africa, was ruled out and Andre Pollard came in then as well? And... Is the place kicking a worry in South Africa and the, the, the vulnerability that's there as well you know, with um, with Amani Libok? Yeah, see, I obviously can't speak to what's going on in their camp. It's just the rumours or the chat between guys. Be, yeah, everybody is pretty nervous about the goal kicking, which is understandable. You don't want to go into one of the playoff games or a game like this without a guy that you know can deliver for you. But uh, yeah, for me, I, I see the thinking behind it, but I think that's a massive gamble to go over the World Cup with one recognised hooker. Other two great players, I know, I know Dion, I've played with him, junior rugby and know him all the time. He always played hooker. But, but I think it's a bit different. The last couple of years he's played flank, he's been unbelievable. But I think switching him back into the front row is a big call in test match. And then they're trying Marco von Staden, I think, is that as well. 
Now, I've made that switch when I was 20, and it's not easy to do that in the World Cup, I think, is a bit risky. And I, hope, I think they just hope it doesn't come to that. So, in your opinion, are, you know, Jackie Ninabur and Razi Rasmus almost taking too many, is there, are they taking too many risks going into this game? I think so. Well, that's, that's what my opinion would be. I, I wouldn't do it. Uh, like I said, it's, it's hard to kind of go against them because it's worked for them before. I think just they, they, they must just hope that something doesn't happen early on with, say, one of the hookers or maybe one or two backs, which can easily happen. We've seen it happen a lot of times. So, yeah, yeah I wouldn't do it. But I'm not a coach, so <laughs> let's wait and see. And obviously the Ireland hookers, um, we, we'll see how if Dan Sheehan is back. Obviously, a Leinster player, uh, uh, Kelleher as well. One and Kelleher was back last weekend. Um, had a fantastic weekend, uh, fa- fantastic game as well last weekend. Um, you must be fairly impressed with how those two Leinster hookers are, um, have been going as well. Yeah, actually, all of them. If you look at Rob Herring as well, he's gone really well. Uh, it's it's incredible how Dan has come up real quick and has kind of taken his shot. I know Rowan was probably the man in charge and in the saddle and then he got injured and then Dan just took his chance and I think it's going to be tough moving him from that now to be fair to him. So it's un- it's been unbearable to watch them. Everybody is talking about it as well. So uh, yeah, I know they've done really well. Yeah. And if there was a, a, an area of vulnerability on both sides, that both sides will look will look to exploit. What what do you feel that is in the South Africa game the vulnerability, and what do you feel that vulnerability is in the Ireland the Ireland game? It's the same thing that goes both ways for me. I think if if you stop South Africa physically, then it kind of seems like at times they run out of ideas, and then when it doesn't work, then they don't know what to do. And I think our vulnerability is if we get on the back foot, sometimes it's the same would happen. If we get uh, overpowered physically, then sometimes the uh, the ball doesn't start rolling, and, and then it's so it's a, it's a kind of a double-edged sword where it's going to be incredibly important to see who, who fronts up physically. Yeah, of course. So, call it Ricard. What way do you see it going? <laughs> it's it's going to be very close. I'm going to go twenty-one. 16 Island. Oh, yeah. that's a, yeah, that, that's yeah, a good one. Yeah. And then will you, where, will you be watching, where will you be watching it? I'm actually flying up to Bloemfontein. There's a school that has a, a fun fundraiser and they asked me to go. They've got Ron Pinar and France staying there and um, just to mix it up, they called me to see if I can't go as well. So that would be pretty interesting. Me, but... <laughs> in about 200 Afrikaner South African supporters and me sitting there. So we'll see how that goes. I'll be vocal if I can and try and stir enough feathers, but uh, we'll see what happens. Great. Ricard, thank you so much for joining us. Perfect. No problem. Good luck and enjoy the World Cup. So we're on the move again, lads, tomorrow. We're heading to Paris in the morning. Um, then we're leaving Paris again to go to the team base because all oh, yeah. the team bases are miles away. It, so we're, it's like an hour and a bit away from the 
Which train station again? I know I checked Mont- this out. We're into Mont- Montparnasse, Montparnasse and then yeah. we've got to find our way across Paris too. I haven't even looked at where it is, but the team are I based. Had a quick look. All the teams looks are nice. based miles outside, outside Paris. Outside the city, yeah. They're all really upset about it. And it's going to be the same through the knockouts for as long as the, um, the teams are here. They've... Um, in 2007 all the teams were based in Paris and it was it was great for them because they had things to do outside of it but I think they're all on golf courses miles out this time and they're all pretty pretty annoyed Near they're going to be the tour yeah so um, it is a factor um, but yeah it'll be a long day of travel tomorrow it'll be worth it to, to find out whether Andy Farrell has been <laughs> pulling the wool over her eyes all week and it's actually seven months split in the Irish bench good to see what he team and Benchy announces tomorrow we will be back with another left wing podcast tomorrow afternoon so keep an eye out for that thanks for listening Listen and follow The Left Wing wherever you get your podcasts.